Welcome to the Faith Christian Fellowship of Montego Bay's podcast. We are reaching for His glory through building and teaching. I hope you are encouraged and edified by this message. I was rejoicing in my heart as we were singing, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. And I was thinking how in St. Mark chapter 5, there was this man that had his dwelling among, among the tombs. Day and night he was caught in himself, and the Bible says no man could bind him, not with chains. Because every time they attempted that, he would break the fetters. But one day, in that state, in that rage, in darkness, he saw Jesus. And he ran to Jesus, saying, Are you come to torment me? Just the presence of Jesus made that darkness tremble. He was delivered. And I want to uh, put you on guard this morning that darkness that has surrounded your life, that has been in your life, in this season, will not only tremble, but we believe according to the word of the Lord that the hills melt like walks at the presence of the Lord. And so we thank God that he is the Lord of the breakthrough. We worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who reigns forever and forevermore. St. Luke chapter 4 and we're going to read verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, we established last week, as the first part of this verse says, that declares that Jesus said, I'm sent to preach the gospel to the poor. The poor are always tied from by different sectors of society in the world. Some who are wealthy target the poor to control them. Others target the poor for their votes. Others target the poor for your testimony, so that they can have a testimony to say we, we're reaching out to the poor. But for the most part, those who target the poor for those reasons and for other selfish reasons really want to keep the poor poor so that they can have their testimony or get their agenda met. But when Jesus targeted the poor, he targeted the poor for a different reason because he 
wanted the poor to transition from being poor to being rich. You wanted to change their status. Their status, if you call it that. And so, he is the only one that targeted the poor to improve their situation, to get them out of that state so that they can be better in life. So that is why we declare all the time, and the word of the Lord says, let the poor say I am rich. That's the objective of Jesus. And then, remember that Jesus also said, I was sent to heal the broken heart. And we have a lot of those in the world today. At some point or the other, different people would have suffered broken heart. And that is not something that the medics can deal with. That's a function of the kingdom of God to heal broken hearts. And so today we want to remind you that only the presence of Jesus causes the darkness to tremble. Don't tremble at anything else. But today we want to push on. I want to remind you that Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to carry out the different functions, the mandate, as in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And I want to emphasize that because these things cannot happen without the anointing and empowering of the Holy Spirit. It is not about talking people out of certain things with your, with your natural ability. It is the anointing that breaks the yoke. So Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do all these things, to bind up the brokenhearted, to, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and to preach the gospel to the poor. And that is very important because, as I said, it is not possible without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I want to remind you that if you go in your own strength, you're going to come up short. But we thank God for the empowerment of the Spirit. That makes all the difference. So today, we're starting at preaching deliverance to the captives. Preaching deliverance to the captives. He sent me to preach deliverance to the captives. To preach deliverance to people who are in captivity requires anointing. Because you are asking people to believe the reality of the word of God above the realities of your circumstances. And that's not easy. I've already shared with you in times past the difficulty sometimes and the challenge of being caught between two realities. And sometimes in life, we're caught between two realities and we have to decide 
which of those realities we are going to go with. So when we talk about preaching deliverance to the captive, it's about being caught between two realities because the truth is you're in captivity and that is a reality and people are already depressed by that. But while you're in captivity, you are hearing that you are free and the realities of captivity are suggesting you're not free. But the realities of the kingdom are saying you're free. So now you have to choose which of those realities you're going to move. Now, let me point out that it says here to preach or some versions of proclaim deliverance to the captives. When you proclaim something, it means that you are telling that it is so. It, it is a reality. Jesus never said prophesy that it would happen in the future. It was one of those conditional prophecies that says, if you continue in my word, if you obey me, if you endure for the rest of the year, you will see this. He said, no, preach deliverance to the captive. It is not. So, I want to spend a little time on this because I want you to get it. You know, the angel Gabriel got to Mary and the angel proclaimed, just like we're talking about proclaim, proclaim to Mary that you are going to conceive and bring forth a son and his name shall be called Jesus. Now, the angel was not prophesying anything on condition. The angel was saying, this is what the situation is. The angel proclaimed or you can look at the Abraham situation. And the angel appeared and said, Sarah, thy wife, proclaimed it, shall conceive. And Abraham is saying, but I'm 90. How is this possible? The realities are that my body can't deal with that. Sarah's body can't deal with that. But the next reality is that kingdom of God has proclaimed it. Now, this is the same situation now with uh, Luke 4.18. Jesus said to proclaim to the captives liberty, deliverance, that you are free. So, if he said that, then I have to proclaim it. I have to declare it. We need to declare it. You are free indeed. God said that you have been set free. And it doesn't matter what the situations are saying around you. We proclaim the realities of the kingdom in your life today. But it don't look that way. It don't feel that way. I know. So it's like telling the Black Lives Matter folks that you don't see that all lives matter. Where do you live? That's not a reality in our space. Jesus is saying, Hey, to the captives, you are at liberty. Remember, he's talking to the captives here. He's not talking about after the captivity. So after the captivity, he's talking to them to say, Well, well, you have now been set free. 
He said you should proclaim liberty to the captives. Now, preaching, proclaiming liberty to the captives is about preaching the word of faith. It is about, about proclaiming the word of faith. After Adam's transgression, man found himself in a place of sin, hopelessness, a place of destruction. And Jesus came to put an end to that reign of darkness for over 4,000 years. And the word to the people of the world is, you have been set free. No longer the sin and darkness really have the dominion or the right to keep you in bondage. You have been set free. So, long before that extraordinary night in Egypt, where there was the firstborn dead in every household of the Egyptian, when God miraculously took Israel out of Egypt. Long before that particular night, God, through Moses, proclaimed liberty to the Israelites. They were in bondage in Egypt, but through Moses, he proclaimed liberty. And that's how the kingdom worked, because God will uh, plant a word, or sometimes you can say a burden inside of your spirit, so that you become impregnated with that word and that purpose. And so God put it in your spirit so that you can give birth to it and own it and become a part of the responsibility of that thing coming to pass. Because when you're a part of the process and the responsibility, it helps you to appreciate it and own it better. So God wants you to be a part of the process. So he puts that word or that burden in your spirit even before the, the miracle takes place so that you can be a part of what he's doing. And that is why some word is in your spirit now that you probably don't understand. But God planted here because he's about to give birth to something new, a new faith. He's planting deliverance in the spirit of the captives today to say, you are free. When you conceive your deliverance, as I said, you also carry that responsibility to give birth to the faith. So, conceiving deliverance in a time of captivity is a miracle in itself. Because in captivity, your mind, people's mind, are preoccupied with the captivity, with the oppression of the captivity, and with how can I do something about this. So, people really don't think that time about being free, especially when they don't see a way. So that is why when God appeared to Gideon, Gideon was preoccupied with threshing wheat and all of that to save his family. He wasn't thinking about saving Israel because he's preoccupied with the captivity. His mind is preoccupied with the things of the captivity. So there is 
no time to conceive anything else. So when you, in captivity, is able to conceive deliverance, that is a miracle in itself. And that is why God is planting that seed of victory in your spirit while you're going through the turmoil. To show you that he's still God. He's still real. So just like Sarah should not have conceived because of the circumstances, you should not even be thinking about victory. But the miracle working God is showing you that there is nothing too hard for him. So as I said, generally in captivity, you're stressed. And that is why preaching deliverance to the captives can't be effective without the anointing. That is going to tap their air and their spirit, open their spirit so that they can receive it. It's like going to witness to someone that is hungry.
responsible. So, this is why at one time, Moses became one with the thing so much that at one time, God said, listen, these people are not behaving right, and I'm going to cut them off. And Moses was so much one with that all, all responsibility and that project. And Moses said, God, if you're going to cut them off, don't consider me. And he was so much a part of the project that he was not going to let go any at all. At one time, Moses referred to them as God's children. And then at another time, God referred to them as Moses' children. So, Moses was a part of making this thing happen and there was no way you could going to get Moses out of this anymore. How started because God planted that in his spirit even before Israel was delivered. And he was a part of giving birth to this thing to make it a reality. And now he's one with it for the rest of his life. And that's what God is doing when he planned liberty, deliverance in the spirit of someone that is still in captivity. He knows what he's doing. So, Moses, when Moses got to the Red Sea after Israel was delivered out of Egypt, they said, what are we going to do? Moses, without even lifting his eyes to God, I mean, he was already one with it. He probably saw, he said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Because the Egyptians who we see today, you will see them no more forever. He took responsibility and was one with the thing to make it happen. Let me ask you, what word has been in your spirit, even through this COVID period, that you're holding on to? That you are saying, God, I'm partnering with this word because I know I'm going to see your salvation. What word are you exploring, turning over in your mind and your spirit every day, reading out of different versions and discussing, speaking, praying over? What word is in your spirit about your situation? If you don't have any word, you can't conceive anything, it means that you need to spend some time with God. Because he wants you to understand that he came to bring liberty to the captives. It is not in his intention that you stay in captivity for the rest of your life. Just like it's not his intention for you to stay poor, it's not his intention for you to stay in captivity because he is the God of liberty. He knows how to deliver. He knows how to make a way where there seems to be no way. So we say it all the time, but do we really uh, dig into it and hold on to it? When our backs are against the wall and it looked like it was over, you made a way. But do we just say it or do we really leave that worship session holding on to it in our spirit? Say, God, that's your word. I'm partnering with that word. I hear what the doctor said. I see what the creditor said. But I am partnering with your word that you planted in my spirit because I know that's your word. The word of faith. 
going to make a way where there seems to be known. The word of faith is important to make things happen. When the word of the Lord causes conception of any kind in your life, and you see the manifestations of the God of the impossible, it becomes difficult for you to part with that word. It becomes difficult for you to hold on to something else about that word. And that puts you in a position to properly manage the responsibilities even after the captivity. Because there are post-captivity responsibilities. After God deliver you from your situation, in order not to fall back into the situation, there are some responsibilities after the deliverance. And if you don't have that word in your spirit, if you don't partner with God as it relates to the responsibilities, you could find yourself back in the situation. But if you hold on to the word of faith, then you could understand that right? you, you are going through to the very end. After the captivity, you are going to go with that responsibility. So Moses, after Moses took Israel out of Egypt, he was 100% it. I mean, he was talking to God on behalf of Israel. He stood between God and Israel on many occasions. Moses said to God, why are you angry? That's quite audacious. Why are you angry about the people? Well, look, let me talk to you about them. How did that happen? Because Moses had that word in his spirit from before the deliverance of those captives. And he wanted to see them through to their destiny. So Jesus preached deliverance to the captives so that the captives could receive the word of, word of faith, as I said, and hold on to the hope that the word of faith gives. One of the things that help people to hold on to the future is hope. And the word of God is filled with hope. So when you hold on to the word of God, you're holding on to hope. And hope is expectation. And as you hold on to hope, it is going to help you not to quit. People are more vulnerable to quitting when there is no hope. But the word of faith brings hope and brings us into a place of holding on to what God says. So being able to conceive the word of faith, being able to conceive your destiny, being able to conceive your future takes some responsibility or give you the strength to carry out the responsibility that are necessary to ensure continuity. So in John 6 verse 63, Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. In other words, they are full of life. So if you partner with the word of God, it is going to produce life in your life. 
in your spirit. So if God speaks to you, telling you that, listen, although you're in captivity, I am giving you my word that you are set at liberty, and you choose to partner with that word, it's going to bring life to your spirit. It's going to give you something to look forward to. It is going to give you a hope that you can wrap your life around knowing that he's a God who makes a way even where there seem to be knowing. Listen, captivity strips people of their identity. It leaves you naked. And it strips people of their value. But as the word of faith comes into your life, you will begin to see yourself again in God. You will begin to identify who you are in God, knowing that the word of God makes up the difference. So is it because of the toll that captivity takes on people? Many times people have to go through recovery after captivity. Even after they're delivered, they still have to go through a time of recovery. So it's like you know, get it away from those who put you in captivity and you have to run all night to get home. And you're wondering all the time they're coming behind you. And even when you're running, your mind is telling you that they might be coming. So you're running fast and all that. You finally get home, you better recover for the next week. A time after that. After captivity, people go through a time of recovery. That's normal. But the mistake that some people make, and you can't afford to make, is to stay in recovery for the rest of your life. Because sometimes after captivity, uh, some people stay in recovery for the rest of their lives. It's like having a surgery and going through recovery. You don't want to stay in recovery for the rest of your life. You want to get out of that and be well so you can carry on your life. So Elijah ran away from Jezebel and got under the juniper tree and the Spirit of the Lord had an encounter with him. And the Spirit of the Lord said to him, have they got some food? He said, arise and eat. Because the journey is great. This is not destination. You can't stay here. You have to get out of recovery and move on. Unfortunately, there are many people in our world and in the church today that are still in recovery for the last 10 years. And God is saying that you have been set free. You can't stay in recovery for the rest of your life. So he said, look, I've come preach deliverance to the captive, to tell you that you have to get out of the cup. So in other words, he's saying to you this morning, lift up the heads which hang down. Strengthen the feeble knees. He's saying today, put on the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He said this morning, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he had redeemed.
from the hand of the enemy. So you've got, that is why testimony is so important. So you now have to testify and tell of the goodness of the Lord. How he brought you out with a strong hand and a stretched out arm. How he made a way where there seemed to be no way. And if you don't have anybody to tell, you sing about it all day. The Lord has done great things for me. We're all I am glad. So in Psalm, I think 126, it says, When the Lord turned the captivity of Zion, look at this. It says, We were like them that dream. In other words, we couldn't believe it. We're still in our state of recovery. The Lord turned the captivity. But for a while, we were like them that dream. And then our mouth was filled with laughter. We got the message. And our tongue would say and say, The Lord has done great things for us. We're all we're glad. In other words, we got out of recovery and we declare that the Lord is good and his mercies endure it forever. Yeah, we sound how great the Lord. We sound, I believe, I believe you are the God of the impossible. And sometimes and no song that is yet written is appropriate to express your heart. So you have to make up your own song. And that's okay. But guess what? I'm not staying in recovery. I am telling of the goodness of the Lord. I'm walking in pitch. I'm moving forward. I am telling of how good God is. If you are not careful, you stay in recovery. And recovery becomes a bondage. What, what, what do I mean? In other words, people always have to come to you. And uh, everything. People always have to come to you and encourage you. Because you're always thinking that, oh, that was so unfair and it shouldn't have happened and all of that. So you're always griping about that. And people always have to be holding your hand. Even after 25 years after and say, well... Um, let's move forward. Everything people say is a threat to you. I remember preaching at a service one Mother's Day. And people came up to me after and said, I need to be sensitive because some people have lost their heart. So, you know, not everybody's in the same position where they're celebrating mothers. Really? But just because you lost your mother 10 years ago, don't mean that you should stay at that station and still not celebrate the goodness of the Lord for your existence? I've had people come to me and tell me, I need to be careful because some people's marriage ended up in divorce and all of that. And so sometimes when you say certain things, you know, it is... Robbing them the wrong I am saying that you cannot stay in recovery for the rest of your life. I have had some experience. I am a product of a single parent family. I didn't grow up my father. I talk about fathers from now until the rest of my life. I have no issue with it. I'm not hurt by anything along that line because I'm out of recovery. So if you're not careful, recovery can be a bondage. You're trapped. 
So you don't want to have anything to do with people because people hurt you some years ago. Jesus said to tell you this morning that he came to preach deliverance, liberty to the captives. You don't have to stay in captivity. And sometimes your own philosophy put you in more bondage than the actual captivity did. So now you have to arise and say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. You have to rise out of that place where you interpret everything with the captivity mindset, with the victim mentality. You have to rise out of that place and say, Lord, I thank you that I am one of them captives that you set free and who the Son set free is free indeed. I will rejoice. I'm going to lift my voice and worship you because you have been my help and my salvation. Yeah, I remember the times when that happened, but I'm now using it as motivation. I'm not allowing it to keep me in any further bondage because I know in whom I have believed. And I know that he's able to keep. So sin actually damaged man's perspective. Man lost his sense of direction over time because sin dominated his life. And the natural mind does not know what the, the future holds. Sometimes it suggests that it does know, but it, it doesn't know what the future holds. And it is therefore in no position to provide proper direction for your life. This is why now that we have to partner with the Word of God and hold on to what the Word of God says to give us our direction in life. Because the natural mind will say things to, to soothe your flesh, but we have to choose, make a decision to partner with God for His direction in our life so that we can stay healed, that we can stay free, that we can stay in a place of rejoicing, singing to the Lord that He is our hope and He is our help. So Proverbs chapter 3, I think from verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Oh my, we have so much problems with that, because our understanding trips in every now and then. And for some people, it's much more than up every now and then. It trips into the point sometimes that you talk yourself out of with your understanding, out of what God is saying. Because your understanding can't really wrap itself, the thoughts around what God is saying. So your understanding talks you out of what God is saying. And when that happens, it means that you're going to lose direction. Because your understanding don't know the proper direction for your life. Your natural understanding. 
So he said, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own, thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. So his direction is important for him. Goes on to say, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord. God is always begging us to follow his direction so we can stay here, that we can stay in a place of healing. Romans 8 verse 14, it says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. In Luke 4, 18, it also says that Jesus said he has sent me to bring recovery of sight to the blind. Let me just say something on this real quickly, because millions of people are in that place today in terms of being blind. One time we could see, but sin has damaged our perspectives. So Jesus came to bring recovery of sight so we can see again. That we can process things again according to the Spirit of the Lord. He came to bring recovery of sight to the blind. This is why Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus and says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. I can see you high and lift. Up. I can get some direction from you again because what I'm seeing now is not telling me what the kingdom says. Some folks are so blinded. We're talking about believers right now. Some folks are so blinded, their perspectives are so damaged by sin and the kingdom of darkness that the devil don't even have to disguise himself when he's coming against you anymore. Because the perspectives are so damned. One time, the devil used to hide and come in a sneaky way. He don't have to hide with some folks anymore because the minds are so blind that we can't, can't, people can't see anymore. But Jesus said to tell you that he came to bring recovery of sight to the blind. It's going to help you to see again. So you can truly, out of your heart, says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh come my head. Because you're going to see that head. It's going to cause you to see again that that which you are attempting to embrace and you have been embracing is not from him. It is a, a disguise from the enemy. He wants to open the eyes of our hearts, that we can see him, see him high and lifted up. In St. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, Jesus said, If you continue in my words, then are you my disciples indeed. And you out of that shall know the truth. You're going to see the truth of the word. You're going to perceive it in your spirit. You're going to get some truth in your understanding and the truth will 
set you free. Whom the Son set free is free indeed. He said he also came to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Remember that our word preach means to proclaim. Or in other words, to proclaim the time of the Lord's favor. The, the day of the Lord's favor is here with you. And somebody might say, but you don't see what is happening? I mean, COVID is dominating the space. It doesn't matter. The word of the Lord, he said to proclaim it, that the favor of the Lord is with you in this day. We're not talking about after COVID. In this day, the favor of the Lord is with you this day. I want to remind you that since COVID came on the scene and things have been happening, I want to remind you this morning that not one single dollar has left earth. So God can route it from wherever it is if money is the issue into your life. This is the day of the Lord's favor. And if you dare to believe it, you will see the Lord's favor in your life. Because His favor is not dependent on what the devil is doing. His favor will go through walls, pierce situations to come to your life. If you will dare to receive it. If you will dare to believe it. This is the day of the Lord's favor. So today, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. That your favor precedes us in the name of Jesus. For every single one of us in this building today, every one of you watching online, we are partnering with the word of the Lord this morning that the Lord's favor precedes us. That the Lord's favor precedes us during this week. For those of you going to work, we declare that the favor of the Lord precedes you to your workplace. That even when you're thinking and planning throughout the rest of this day, that the favor of the Lord precedes you. This is the day of the Lord's faith. We thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you and have a great day. You may contact us by email at fcfmontegobay at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at fcfmobay and on Facebook at fcfmontegobay.